fresh from a little R&R, Larry Weber joins us this morning for Backyard Almanac. Howdy there, sunshine. Yeah, good morning, good morning. And uh, yes, the sunshine would be uh, good breaking up the uh, the fog and the haze, but we'll see. I think we're going to see plenty of it later. Uh, we are now at the 23rd of, uh, of July, <clears throat> one week left of July. July of 2021 is going to have a few things to be said about it. First of all, we've had plenty, plenty of haze. I have been, um, in the last few days, looking at uh, the fire conditions in Canada, and uh, wow is the word that's amazing. Well, this is due a great deal because of heat and because of dryness, and that's the other statistic of uh, July of 2021. If it remains as it is, it will, could, could go down as being the, the driest July on record. Now, notice I said if the forecasters are saying we're going to get rain tonight, uh, during the night, and uh, that would be at a very welcome rain. So we'll see. We'll see if that's going to actually happen. Uh, statistics can be a little bit confusing. According to the Weather Service, they've recorded only about three-tenths of an inch of precipitation for the entire month, and here we are now on the 23rd. However, at my house, I estimate we got two inches. We've got it way back on the first week of the month, and that two inches of rain has made quite a difference. One of the things I enjoy about July is berry picking, and uh, it started off with strawberry picking, and then it progressed into others. Uh, the blueberry crop around my home here wasn't very much, but the raspberry crop has been very good. And that is interesting because a lot of places, the when it gets dry, it is the berry crop that suffers. Uh, but the raspberries have been quite good, and I've been picking them every day. Uh, the blackberries have just started to ripen, and in a few places, they look okay. So what I did is did some walking around and check a few other places, and I found that the blackberry patches that were more in the open just weren't going to develop. It was just too dry for them. So like I say, the statistic of being dry like that is a little bit confusing. Uh, thunderstorms, when they come over, tend to be just kind of spotty in certain places when another place may get no rain at all, and therefore it makes for different, uh, different circumstances. Uh, plenty of other things of note. Uh, thanks to the clouds and the haze, we haven't seen too much of the full moon, but that's where we are right now. We are also at the time when we're moving towards 15 hours of daylight after being near 16 hours of daylight a month ago. And so the days continue to get shorter. Uh, other things that happen as we get to this time, I've been talking every week about how uh, green frogs and mink frogs have been calling from the lakes all summer. They are the summer frogs. Well, in the last few days, I noticed almost none of them. They decided, okay, we've done our calling. It's time to take a break. Meanwhile, up on land, there is a tremendous amount of tiny toads and tiny frogs. I see that as being a very good sign. When it's dry like it has been, uh, many of the vernal ponds where the frogs reproduce dry up. I see a couple of them virtually every day that have dried up. But there are enough other ponds that apparently the, the metamorphosis was successful, and that was a very good thing to see. 
Uh, in addition to that, we're still getting plenty of kinds of butterflies. I've been seeing especially the fritillaries and the common wood nymph. Common wood nymphs are an interesting butterfly. When we first see them, they look so black, you think you're looking at a moth. But if you stick with it and you get close enough to take a good look, yeah, they are a dark butterfly. Also been seeing a Compton tortoise shell and, um, and um, a morning cloak. Now, what's interesting about those two is that they are both uh, both butterflies that hibernate for the winter. And so what's going on right now, it must be the, the butterflies from last year's hibernation are laying their eggs, and they will they'll die and their babies will grow up and go into hibernation. Probably the insect that's most abundant right now is the grasshoppers. Every walk I take, I see grasshoppers. They get scared up from the side of the road, hopping and flying. The ones that fly good distances are the larger ones that are a, truly a kind of locust. But the, but, uh, the other grasshoppers are there, too. They seem to do very well in the dry. And then I had a fabulous discovery this week. To me, summer isn't summer if you don't have a hornet nest nearby to watch. And this summer, I have not been seeing one. Last summer, we were blessed with one on the side of the house. This summer, I had not been seeing one at all until this week, and I finally did. It was a great discovery. The surprise was it was very close to the ground. It's only about a foot off the ground. Uh, hornet nests that are that close to the ground often do not make it because bears discover them, and bears will go after everything that's inside the hornet nest. But nevertheless, it was a great discovery. The other thing that's been going on quite good this summer has been the spider webs. I was on uh, my walk this morning. There was enough of a fog and enough of a dew to allow me to see plenty of the spider webs, and they are out there, good numbers, and web watching as we get into awesome August continues to get better and better. So this is the beginning of really good web watching time. The uh, wildflowers of July, I keep talking about fireweed, milkweed, uh, thistle, and evening primrose are the ones that are probably the most dominant. Well, the fireweed have pretty much finished their blossoming. They are now forming the seed pods. Milkweed are still very much in bloom. I was in a patch this week. I couldn't believe how many flowers there were. Thistle are amazing because they blossom and then very quickly start making their fluffy seeds, and this is what the uh, goldfinches go after. They've been waiting all this time to nest so that they can use these fluffy seeds. And then, of course, evening primrose. I have evening primrose growing here by the house, and every morning I step out and there is the flower wide open from the night. Other ones showing up right now, I saw great patches of yesterday of Joe Pie Weed, Dogbane, a Bergamot, Clovers, Sweet Clovers, Tansies, these are all in bloom. But as we get into late July, we start getting into the flowers of fall. And yes, goldenrods, asters, and sunflowers are all out there starting their bloom. We've got about a dozen kind of each of those around and so far, I've seen about half of the kinds of goldenrods in bloom. I've only seen three kinds of asters and three kinds of, of sunflowers, but they'll have plenty more, and they last a long time. When they start blooming, they go well into September. Uh, daylilies are the... I, I love daylilies. A lot of people don't like them, but I like them. They uh, live up to their name. They flower for a day, and they pick off. It's almost like they're, they're counting the days going through July. And I've been watching our daylilies every day. 
as uh, we get into late July, there are fewer and fewer of them. And where we have here, we also have flocks, sweet williams. And when the daylilies stop, the flocks begin. And yesterday we had the first flocks of the bloom. We still have some daylilies, but the flocks will take over very soon. And as I mentioned, there's plenty of uh, berries out there. Besides being the edible berries, there are things like bane berries, the red, bright red berries or white berries. They're both bane berries that grow in the woods, and there's clintonia, and there's several other kinds that are out there as well. Mushrooms started to make an appearance. Now, if we get this rain that's in the forecast, we're going to see a lot more. But I was surprised at how many mushrooms I did see, including a beautiful growth of boletes, a swillus, and a sulfur shelf. Sulfur shelf sometimes sometimes called chicken of the woods can be either yellow or uh, orange the one that i saw was a nice beautiful uh, yellow one and speaking of yellow yeah there are some plants that are starting to turn yellow leaves among the trees it's probably most common with birch though yesterday i did see quite a few hazels that also had yellow it is most likely due to the dryness. However, I have noticed that every year as we get to late July, there are some plants that will start turning their leaves yellow. So, yes, the season is moving on, and uh, let's enjoy it. So we'll, we'll see. The forecasters are saying maybe some rain and maybe some more heat, but, you know, that's uh, late July. Well, we've got a kind of a dangerous heat index this afternoon. It's going to be like 95, 96. That's the heat and the humidity combined. So maybe a walk near a lake near you would be a good plan today. Yes, it sounds like a good idea. Or as I do, get out and uh, take your walk early. Oh, that's a good idea. That's (laughs) a good idea. Well, yeah, and then, of course, you have to drive around. It's almost the time for you to be driving around at five miles an hour in the middle of the road looking at goldenrod. That's true, yes. So if you see a car winding down the road looking or stopping every so often to see goldenrods, it's me. It'd just be Larry. Goldenrods ought to be the national flower. They are just so outstanding. They're diverse. They're big. They're yellow. They're easy to see. And they are native. And so, you know, we, we they are, I, I just can't believe how great they are. So I used to, when I was teaching Master Naturalist classes, I always used to tell my students, don't let the season pass without getting out and taking a walk right in the midst of a growth of goldenrods. And don't worry about that hay fever uh, argument right. that will give you. <laughs> it is not goldenrods. It is ragweed. Anyway, that's another story. So this is the part, Larry, where you say to me, Lisa, did you see anything new or unusual this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, and? I had to have the nice folks at Minnesota Wildflowers help me identify it. Found it growing in the ditch, a plant that is not native to Minnesota mm-hmm. called Queen of the Prairie. Okay. And it is beautiful. It is fuchsia, and it's fluffy, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Apparently, it's a very wonderful garden plant. And the nice person who answered my query said it, uh, it's native south and east of Minnesota, but not, but not native to Minnesota. And in the Queen of the Prairie, I discovered the things you can see when you have a camera. There is such a thing as a tricolored bumblebee. 
there you go. And they're super, super cool. And I think it's the University of Minnesota Extension has a great little reference guide so how you can identify different kinds of bumblebees. Who knew there were different kinds? And even how you can tell if it's a male or a female. So I learned a lot about bumblebees this week. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I'm there's pretty proud always, of myself. There's always, there's always something out there to see. Isn't that the case? Larry, <laughs> thanks care. a million for joining us. We'll talk sure. again next week. Mm-hmm. Larry Weber, our host for Backyard Almanac, a regular feature of Fridays here on Northland Morning.